Professor McGonagall, I'm glad you came to see me this afternoon. I have some concerns about our competition. Is that so, Dumbledore? You mentioned that enrollment at Hogwarts is down lately. What seems to be the trouble? Take a look at this flyer for this so-called Magical School of Inkenfell. Let me see. At Eakenfell, students are free to express their gender and sexual identities without fear of persecution or discrimination. Mm-mm-mm-mm. This, it is a safe space for witches and wizards of all orientations and genders. Well? Well, what, Dumbledore? Don't, don't you think it's wrong for an education facility to be offering a safe space? Students need to be challenged. Dumbledore! Is this the hill you're going to die on? Oh, come on, McGonagall. You know I'm an ally. I'm gay, after all. Do the students know that? Well, no. They they find that out after they graduate. In a letter. Se- several years later. Furthermore, Dumbledore, you've recently stationed perfects at the bathrooms, demanding proof that they are the gender they are assigned at birth. Well... What if some pervert gets into the girls' room? Oh, stuff it, you old coot. You want to know why this school is going down the toilet? Because you can't seem to get with the times. I mean, my God, between the slavery in the kitchen and with the house elves and the racist things you call non-magic users these days, it's no wonder why people won't send their kids here anymore. Minerva! The M-word is not racist, and the house elves have been a tradition going back generations. You know what, Albus? Take your tradition and stuff it up your arse! Consider this my resignation. I'm sure he can felt could use a transfiguration teacher. But Minerva... Hey, take me with you. No, Sorting Hat, not you too. Come on, Hat! We're leaving. You can't leave. I'm an ally, I swear. Oh, I've had it up to here with him ever since he started posting on Twitter. <sighs> I should have known something was up when I told him a kid last year wasn't a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff, but somewhere in between. He told me there are only four houses and has shut my hat hole. Ugh, what an absolute bellend. If he's an ally, then I'm a Bogart. Uh, I'll help kids figure out their identities, it can fill. I, I swear, I'm good at that. But can we please visit a tailor first? I'd like to get the asexual flag sewn on me, since you know I'm a hat. But of course, dear sorting hat. Or should I call you the house fluid hat? (laughs) In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to backlog prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack.
Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast for your news, Q&A Quest for your feedback, and we're here for your nostalgia. I'm your host, Kelly Ryan, and the Gandalf to my Dumbledore, my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Matt Mason. I do not know how to pronounce the game we're talking about tonight, but it's all good. I'm I've here anyway. Seen it, I've seen it said Eichenfell. I've seen it said Eichenfell. I honestly don't know. I would have gone with the long eye. Okay. I uh, think of the song, though, because the song, the way like the person sings it, it's Eichenfell. Okay, Eichenfell. But you know what? Like I, I've, I've also been guilty of that. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's this today. I mean, the I just voice wondered actor... if it was said in the game, so I don't know. No, no, no there's no, no voice acting. In the game. <laughs> got it, got no it. Okay. I mean, the voice actor for Titus said it's supposed to be Titus, but I still say Titus because that sounds better. So, well, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, that that voice you heard was Sam Walker. Thank you. Hi. And uh, somewhere in the background, uh, probably saving with a cat, is Josh Carpenter. Yep, yep. Now, before we get into the festivities, I have an important announcement up top. We are going to be changing RSS feeds soon. Um, we're probably we're going to have a MP3 announcement for it so that. You can actually hear it. That way, if you automatically download for your podcatcher, you won't miss it. And we're also going to announce it on the uh, RPG feed, the RP Gamer feed. Uh, basically, we're trying to cover all our bases so that you don't miss any shows. If for some reason none of that gets out and you're missing shows for a couple of weeks, just check RP Gamer. .com. We probably will definitely have the new feed there. Um, it's kind of going to be a transition, but it's going to be better. We haven't had access to our feed um, just through, through circumstances that I can't get into for a while. And instead of trying to get it back, which is going to be a hassle, we're just going to do a completely new one. But it'll be great because um, we'll have complete control over it. And you'll get to see our lovely uh, art, album art that I, I created for us so yeah that's been hit and miss on my uh podcast catcher you know yeah, it, i'll have your album art for a couple and then it won't and then it will and then sometimes it's like a red swan i'm like hey, what's my catcher it's got a black bar and some of them <laughs> sometimes that black bar is bigger than others i'm like i don't know what's up yeah i was using windows media player to attach it but then chris told me that i needed to do it in iTunes, so I've just been attempting to do it in both. Um, but since it'll be an Apple and iTunes feed anyway, um, I'll probably just do all the editing in iTunes as, as far as the tagging and all that, because I'm very OCD about making sure everything's tagged and mm -hmm. all that stuff. But yes, um, moving feeds soon. Stay, stay tuned. We'll have an announcement. We're going to attempt to not leave you guys in the lurch. So, Eichenfell. Cute little indie RPG. I think this is the first... Well, no, I guess Stardew Valley would have been one of our first shows about an indie game. That or uh, Undertale. But we're going to be starting to get into a little bit more of these cute kind of one-shot indie games. Because they're short, they are usually pretty affordable, and they are charming as hell to talk about yes i'm ready i am ready for all the cute wholesome rpgs that have come out to talk about them yeah i i oh, want so more cute wholesome rpgs um not that i don't like triple a stuff but these these little bitty cute ones are just so fun to play through just wait till y'all get your hands on Baron breakfast 
oh yeah, I have that on my wish list. I have chicory on my wish list. It just my my gaming plate has been too full this year. Same. <laughs> I get your pain, Kelly. I, I got it's about been a eight. year where it's not full. Oh God, yeah. There's been cu- a couple of droughts, um, usually during the summer. But then again, JRPG July kind of helps me fill that. Um, lets me dig up something that I either haven't played in a while or haven't finished. That's what it's there for. Yep. But no, I mean, you're talking about somebody with like what, eighty hours on Xenoblade and a Xenoblade three, and I'm only on chapter three. And I've still got to get through a Yakuza by November. You guys have work to do, Kelly. <laughs> I know all the all this work playing video games for a podcast. I don't even get paid for. Grumble, grumble, grumble. No, this, <laughs> the worst I, I job love, ever. I, I love this stuff. Um, I, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this if I didn't love this uh, volunteer work. And I've met some amazing people doing this. So if I'm, I sound like I'm complaining, but I'm really not. And if, if I am, I'm probably being jokey, not coming off well. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Well, let's take a brief, brief musical interlude. And when we get back from the break, we're going to dive right into Eichenfell. There's Eichenfell. Eakenfell. So stick around. Take your we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> RPG Backtrack, where we are diving into Eakenfell. It came out in um on, on on October 8th, 2020, for pretty much all the systems. Uh Windows, Mac, Switch, PlayStation, Xbox One. Uh I I, I look no stadia release, at least I don't think it did. It, it was on Game Pass though when it came out. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this isn't that how you played it? Yeah. Okay. I I played the Switch version. Um, just it was easy to pick up and play. I played the PS4 version, so we've all actually played something different. Oh, cool. Um, it was de- it had a lead developer, Chevy Ray Johnston, who originally was a programmer for uh, Bandai Namco, and he pretty much wanted to make a game about a magic school after reading a young adult novel called Carry On. Um. Not sure if you've read that or not, Sam. I have. It's by Rainbow Rowell. Oh, okay. And it's a it is a parody of Harry Potter, and it actually started in one of Rainbow Rowell's first books called Fangirl, which is about a girl who writes Simon Snow fanfic. Um, and then people loved the Simon Snow fanfic, so Rowell decided to write uh, three novels uh, talking about the adventures of Simon Snow at magical school. But what if they were allowed to be gay? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a cute series okay this is going on my amazon wish list because this looks amazing and i need to read this and i would definitely say read fangirl too fangirl was a very delightful book and it does a great job of like sharing 
the love of fandom and the way in which we use fandom as a blanket sometimes to kind of deal with our problems. So it also was a very excellent book, too. That's awesome. I, I love it when a backtrack gives me new stuff to try out. Oh, yeah, no, she, she's a delightful writer. So then um, the, the game was kickstarted and obviously met its goal. Otherwise, we wouldn't be, be pl- have played it and be talking about it right now. But yeah, the, it was comp- it was pretty much heavily inspired by those books and Earthbound and Mario RPG and Mario Luigi. Um, and the thing that you'll hear about this game the most is that it's very inclusive. Um, it includes gay and lesbian characters, non-binary characters. Um, one character is very, very implied to be uh, Aero and Ace. And, you know, in, in a lot of modern RPGs, especially Japanese ones, you don't see a lot of that stuff very often. No, um, I would say Eganfell is a very unique game in that it's it wears its heart kind of entirely on its sleeve. And it's very open about the idea that everyone should feel love, everyone should feel accepted, and that your truth is your truth. And I mean, this story is in a weird way about Mariette finding her truth, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's an underlying message, but the game is very good about being like, yes, it is about her trying to find her sister. And then it's like, oh, but is it really about her finding her sister or is it about her finding who she actually is? Um, and then yeah. you, you look at that and you think it's a pretty straightforward story, but this game has so many, like, just they're simple, but they're, they're layers um, just in terms of how the character interactions are handled, how the um, just the subject matters of gender orientation, sexual or sexual orientation and gender identity, the way in which this world is very good about being like everybody's accepted and everybody is wanted. We don't discriminate here. The closest you get to discrimination in this game is that star boss who wants to eat everybody. <laughs> right? Is, but, is eating everybody really discrimination? Well, it means you hate everybody or you're just hungry, so. Oh, okay. I feel like it goes both ways. Seems I, very non discriminatory, you know. I don't care what I'm eat eating. Everybody, but also. <laughs> actually, then I'll say that the most discriminatory character in this game is the wall that wouldn't let Rook into the library. <laughs> he was just an <laughs> asshole. Is nope, that the one that sends you on the scavenger hunt later? Yeah, he's like, book okay. needs in the library, does he? And I'm like, you're such a dick, Dor. <laughs> um, but that was one of my favorite lines of the game, because, like, for me, Rook is, like, a kindred spirit in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Loves the library, you know, is non-binary. <laughs> and I wouldn't say, like, Rook is the smartest character of the game. He's definitely not. But it's He's very sensitive and he's very inquisitive. And I just had such a very strong connection with him throughout the game because I could see a lot of myself in him. And just on the fact that, like, you know, little nerd needs his bookie wook and me going, like, fuck you too. Like, don't you make fun of me because I like to read. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's hard because I actually love all the characters in this game. But if I was to identify with any of the characters, Rook is probably my closest, and like I just I adore him, and I like his story. I like I like the way that some of the characters are super interconnected as well, um, especially between Rook, Patronella, and 
Oh, what's her name? It's coming to me. I'm losing my marbles. Uh, Pert. Oh, Pert. I, I did write down all the characters. Yeah. And Pert. Oh. And how at one point, like, they were all friends. And then Pert kind of started to pull away. Petronella was anxious because Pert was pulling away. Like, I also like that their problems feel genuine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, that's one thing I will give this game. You want to have, like, a game that is very wholesome and very genuine in how it presents itself. Like, Ikenfell completely has it in spades. Even characters like Gilda, who are basically the Angelica from Rugrats. You love her. Gilda's a brat. Gilda only thinks about herself, but you can't help but love her. Because when she finally gets her comeuppance, she actually changes. How do you not love that? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah, um, no, she changes for the better, and you 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 have to love her for that. You don't necessarily like the character, but you have to recognize the fact that she she has probably one of the biggest transformations in this game. Um, out of all the party members that you have, and that's outside of Marriott. Like, Pert has her moments too, but no, for me, like Gilda. Because you actually have to fight her, I think it's like, is it twice? Three times? It's a few times. Yeah, she's a recurring boss. And Um, then she joins your party being like, love Gilda! And it's like, okay. (laughs) You're crazy, but okay. Uh, Just getting into a a very brief plot summary. Um, You're you're playing as uh, Marit Hildegard. And she is a non-magic user and a magic-using world that is trying to find her sister because her sister, Safina, goes to the magic school called Eichenfell. Or do we say Longy? Eichenfell. 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 Her sister attends that school but didn't come back one summer. So Marietta Marietta got concerned. And she goes to the school, and all of a sudden she manifests fire magic. And it's kind of a big deal for her, because she's always wanted magic. And she finds out that a lot of magical events have been happening at the school, so it's on lockdown. So, okay, maybe that's why she can't find uh, her sister. And then meets an alchemist, the alchemist named Nella. Um, who was Serafina's friend, but uh, when Serafina disappeared, Nella kind of had a mental breakdown. And Nella helps Marionette get into the school, and that's when pretty much the plot kind of kicks off. Um, You you meet the other characters, you're trying to find... Is it... It's Safina. I keep saying it. Safina, yeah, yeah. You have to break into Safina's room, and she does that by dressing up like her sister... And and the game has like a very like charming. It, it's another one of those games that goes back to like 16-bit uh, style graphics, but it's it's done very well. And they mix in. Uh, they 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 do a lot of like cute little visual tricks or or you know like visual cues like where they'll have these flashbacks like that that's part as you're going along in the game you'll you'll eventually have you'll start getting these flashbacks of what safina was doing and you realize that like oh she's part of the reason like why all the bad why some of the stuff has happened to the school so It's like a very interesting way of of like doling out the story. Yeah, because Safina is a bit of a hothead and that tends to run rub people the wrong way, especially Purdy. 
um, who kind of becomes Safina's rival. And then when Safina gets kind of a big head and starts treating people, particularly Gilda and Nella, like crap, uh, Purdy calls her out on it. But when you meet Purdy, Purdy is the one that kind of comes off like a bully. So it, the way that the game kind of flips things on its head where it sets up an expectation and then kind of flips it, that that kept me on my toes throughout the entire game. I didn't expect some of that. No, the, the game does a really good job of definitely changing the expectation. And sometimes, you know, I find for me in a game that would piss me off. But here, because everything is so intriguing and everyone is so interesting, you you want to know. And like, did I like Safina most of the time? No, because most of the time she was being a shit. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, you know, at the beginning of the game, it's clear like they don't want you to empathize or with her. They don't want you to sympathize or understand where she's coming from because she's being a shit. Well, she's a teenager. <laughs> He's a teenager. And she wants to be destructive. And that's totally fine. Um, but as the game goes on and you're getting more of the pieces, like, you you sort of, I mean, you do. You feel bad for Safina. Um, I I know I, I, I shed a little tear with um, her and the love interest, for sure. And, you know, I'm struggling with the character's name and it's going to bother me now for the rest of the podcast. But, you know, like, again, you're at first not supposed to like her and then the game does a great job of, again, everybody gets a little bit of growth. It's just enough for you to care about everybody. You don't play any of this game and go, I hate these characters or I'm not enjoying it. No, you're invested. And, like, that's the telltale sign of a great story in a game. I mean, again, I find, like, sometimes for me as a reader, even, I like character-focused things, not necessarily plot-focused. This game did a great job of balancing both those elements. You have all the kernels to keep moving the story along. You want to know what's happening with Safina. You want to know why the school's on lockdown. You want to know why, you know, um, all the just different areas are acting up. But at the same time, every character is giving you a little bit of themselves, and maybe they're not comfortable with that, but they're giving you bits and pieces at a time. It's not like anyone's dropping like their whole life story in one go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was Gilda that had a crush on Safina, and then when she met Marietta, the crush kind of transferred to her. I think that is the case. I also thought it was Pert. Yeah, it could have been Pert, too. Like, I believe it was, like, Pert had a lot of anger, but it's also possible, like, Pert had a crush. And again, the game's very good about being like, everybody can love everybody. So I mean that that's you, you my, don't like it. <laughs> and that's what I like about the game is that it it treats uh treats orientation and all that stuff like it's like it's just normal. Like not that big a deal. They don't come out and say a lot of that stuff. It just happens. Um I, I I did know from the beginning that Bax and Ivan were going to end up together just because they, yeah. they were cute together anyway. I adored those two. They made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Their dialogue was so funny every time they appeared on screen. And then that last with them, with them I sobbed. Oh, I cried. I, I, totally I had full cried. on tears. <laughs> um, B- Bax and Ivan, since we didn't bring it up, Bax is a high, highly powered um, wizard in, in the Coven, and Ivan is kind of his caretaker. 
uh, following him around. And it, he, he says that or they say at the beginning that Bax's magic is kind of no wait. He says that he has powerful magic, but when you fight him, he is completely weak. But then, at, and by the way, we're spoiling the hell out of this game, yeah. if you didn't know. Um, and then at the end of the game, you find out that, no, Bax actually has pretty powerful uh, shadow magic. But Ivan has to keep an eye on him and keep his magic suppressed, or otherwise it'll get out of control. And then when Bax ends up getting killed, was it the headmaster that killed him? or yeah. the? Okay, yeah, when um, when Bax ends up getting killed, uh, Ibid's magic goes out of control and turns into a demon. Oh yeah, no, and that demon is horrifying. Oh, that that <laughs> I I booted up the game again just to be, play through the ending so that I wouldn't have to watch it on YouTube, and I forgot how hard that fight actually was. Um, three stages, and he he hits like a truck. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, luckily, one of this game's best feature I was able to utilize because this game made a point of having all sorts of accessibility options. I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me when I started playing. It was just there's so much granularity to the customization. This is not a game where it's just like easy, normal, hard. It's like it it, it has the combat system itself is like, like I think you mentioned like is very inspired by like Mario RPG where there's like timing mm-hmm. aspects where you, it, it's turn based, but all of the all of basically it will have like if you do a spell, there will be an animation to it. And then you get like a bonus if you are able to time a button press to the animation. Mm-hmm. But if you're not good at that, like you can like go in and change like either to make the timing easier or you can even just turn the timing off, the timing system off. Um, like there, there's so much granularity to the way the battle system works. Like I, I appreciated that they actually went to that kind of level. Yeah. Um, I ended up turning it off because I am not good at this stuff, that kind of stuff that I never have been. Um, I, especially when it comes to anything like defending. And if that's, <laughs> if, if being able to time a hit when you, when you're in a fight and that's life or death, I need that off. <laughs> um, well, and I mean, in your defense, Kelly, this game was really touchy in that regard like that's part of the reason i also turned it off because i'm not bad at button press games but it's one of those there were times and maybe this was just a ps4 issue where stuff wasn't syncing up Mm. so i would think uh, i was pressing it correctly and then i get my ass handed to me and i got fed up like i don't like the battle system in this game at all but i appreciate the level of accessibility it brings because if it didn't have that, I don't think I would have finished this game. Mm. Because, again, that is literally how much I hated the battle system. Yeah, the, the, the downside of the battle system was just that it was slow. Because, like, each of the, each of the well, I guess there are a handful of random encounters. But most, for the most part, you get to see enemies on the screen. And so you, you can kind of, like, avoid some encounters if you want to. But whenever you encounter an enemy, it swaps over into this... I don't remember the exact size of the grid, but it's something like, you know, five by eight or something like that. And you have to move your characters into range of the enemies. And then all your different attacks have like these patterns of um, 
patterns of squares that they actually do the attack on. So you end up half a, you end up spending quite a bit of time just like maneuvering your characters into proper position before you can actually do anything. So it makes it to be kind of like a slow and sluggish battle system. Well, did he, sorry, go ahead, Kelly. Did he, did either of you play Radiant Historia? Yes, I have not. So. Um, the battle system was kind of like that, only a much larger grid, because yeah. Radiant Historia's was like three by three, and this one, you know, you've got a really long lane. <laughs> well, well, the difference being Radiant Historia, it, like, yeah, I, I agree, like, it kind of a similar setup, but Radiant Historia kind of like it moved much faster because Radiant Historia was always fun of like, it was always about like bashing all the enemies onto one square and then wailing on them. Mm -hmm. And it moved along a lot quicker than this game did. This one's almost yeah. like a bad in between a strategy RPG and a turn-based RPG. Mm -hmm. um, it, the reason why I think it reminded me of Radiant Historia is because uh, I like putting traps on the ground and then punching, punching mm -hmm. people into them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very satisfying when it works, not so much when you forget about your own trap or <laughs> have to use an AOE and set off your own trap. Because uh, that was my problem with the battle system was that I would get e in turns where either I couldn't hit anything or I would hit my people and yep. the enemy at the same time. Because, uh, yeah, there was friendly fire. Which I'm going to just say it right now. In this game was fucking stupid. Yeah, there was no reason for that. There was no reason for the friendly fire. And because of the way the attacks have to fit on the grid, it was really easy to hit your own characters. And, like, I'm sorry, that's infuriating. There was no reason for that to be a part of the game. And even just some of the designs of the attacks... Some of them were just impossible to use because of the patterning. Mm -hmm. So you had to really like be like, okay, this attack is going to take an extra turn to charge. Uh, Irma is one of the uh, is one of the characters where yeah, this was a big problem, where like you'd have a weird pattern and maybe you were lucky it, that the god like the, the enemy would stay in one spot. But that was the other thing. If it was the enemy's turn and you were setting up a trap, they could just fucking walk away from it. The AI mm -hmm. was smart in this game. So it was like, I, I hated that. Because to me, it's like you gave me all these accessibility options, but you didn't take out friendly fire. Yeah, that should have been a toggle. I, I agree. That should have been something, like, again, like if you want the difficulty keep that in if you don't and just in general i mean if you have a game that is grid based there is no reason to have friendly fire mm -hmm. uh triangle strategy took it out and that surprised yep. me yep and i mean even games like final fantasy tactics where yes you can technically hit your own people by just smacking them because you want to so you can get some xp <laughs> like yes you could do that but the game was better at being very good at visually showing you that there was a good chance that this might hit your character whereas again if something took a couple turns to to work you had no idea if it was going to hit even anything well it, it also helps that a game like final fantasy tactics has a big big ass grid to contend with as compared to a little bitty tiny grid that's in this game. Yeah, again, I didn't quite understand the choice for the grid size in this game. I think it should have been bigger. I think the setup for the attacks should have been cleaner. Because um, I, I, again, I spent a lot of time having to really, really pay attention to 
what I was doing, which is fine. But it is also one of those, it's like, sometimes I look at him and be like, there is, there is no way I am going to get this off in a turn. Like, the enemy's definitely going to move. And some of the enemies, I mean, some of the number of attacks some of them got was a little ridiculous. Like, there was a couple boss fights. I remember being just angry at how cheap they were. And I was just like, no, no, not enjoying this part at all. Like, at least at least the one saving grace is being able to put in the, do the instant victory if you want. Yes. If you're getting too frustrated. Yeah, they, I, I they have a victory that. button in there. And you know what? And I think that is wonderful. And I think more games should have that. Because, <laughs> oh man, I was an unhappy pappy. Um, there have been some games where I've, I've failed. There have been some games I've bailed on where I got stuck on a boss fight and was just like, nah, nah, I'm not, I, I'm done with this. <laughs> you never finished Fantasian because of that. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. That that game didn't even have an easy mode. And I just kind of like, okay, I kind of got stuck on a boss fight. Nah, I don't got time for this. I'm just bailing. See, I'm good. My, my issue is that my, my favorite thing in RPGs is when I feel powerful. So when I'm going through a low level area, I can just mop the floor with enemies and not yeah. have to worry about it. And I never felt that powerful in this game. No. It's a, it's a very slow level progression. Yeah, yeah, very slow level progression, and the battles are kind of slow. And while I appreciate the victory option for when I'm in an annoying area, I kind of want to just, you know, go through it on my own. I agree. Either that or turn off encounters completely. Exactly. At that point, then it's just give me the story mode and let me be on my way. Which... I get would not be that fun for some people, but it's also like, no, that's that's an option. That option exists in some games now. I've been playing the quarry and there is literally a movie mode <laughs> where you set it up and be like, I'm going to set this movie up with which characters are going to die in this movie and you can literally watch it, right? Um, I don't think that obviously would work with Ekenfell. But it is one of those things where just, I think the battle system had really good ideas and one of the worst executions I've ever seen. And I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me, like Zach Wellhouse, he and I fight on this all the time. But no, like, I, I don't think this is a good battle system. I think there are kernels of a good battle system here. But I think the negatives of it truly outweigh the positives. And that's just on top of the fact that a lot of the boss fights are really derivative of each other. So they have really great pixel designs, but they all kind of do the same thing. Um, and the gameplay, in all fairness, it has no punch. Like, it has, a, again, a great visual design, but I think of, like, when I'm doing things in the game, and it's like, it just needs a little extra sparkle. Like, this is where I'm going to make a horrible comparison, which is to Chicory. Chicory is a visually stunning game where... When you are coloring and doing the puzzles, everything has punch. Everything has impact. So as much as like I think Ikenvel is a beautiful pixelated game, and I love that there is a lot of animation in the characters that you meet, the actual gameplay elements of the game when you're solving a puzzle or something are actually incredibly flat. So it is one of those games where there is so much that I appreciate that it does, but I think it misses the mark in a lot of ways as well. Um, And that makes me sad to say, because, again, there is so much to love about this game. But it's just like, it just needs a little extra sparkle and an ironing on that battle system. And I think that 
it could have been a five out of five for me. Yeah, I, I well, I didn't have the problems with the battle system that you did, Sam. I still felt felt kind of frustrated by it, especially towards the end. Um, yeah. But you know, I I can forgive kind of a clunky battle system if the story is good, and I did enjoy the story in this game a yes. lot. Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of a balanced thing. A, a game with a really crappy story like star ocean four if i'm having a great fun battle with, system yeah uh, if i'm having fun with the battles it's like okay i will suffer through this story if i get to fight more and the exact opposite is true if i'm if i'm dealing with an amazing story like i don't know um trails and even though trails battle system isn't bad but i still i get kind of tired of it after 80 hours yeah you know, that balances. No, and I, I think that's also, like, a completely valid point to make as well regarding Econfell. Because for everything it does right, it does so right. And for everything it does wrong, well, it's just, it's mediocre. And you talk about the pixelated graphics. Um, when modern games do pixel art, I always feel like it it looks off to me. Like Like, a lot of people don't understand that pixel art the reason the reason why it looked good back in the day was because you had a limited palette. So if you try to put a bunch of colors in pixel art nowadays, it looks off and it doesn't look right. And I'm glad that they went with a more muted palette for this game so that it it looks perfect. Without do you guys know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Like, this is actually this is a visually stunning game because it's matted. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you look at the detailing in. Um, some of the bosses that you meet, um, even just the areas you explore. Um, just having like, I always think of the star boss. Star boss is my favorite boss because he's just, he's such a creep mo. But because he comes in, I think it's like three different colors and he's got like the, the base yellow and then the orange tinting. And then when he's angry, he's orange with the yellow tinting. And again, it's not like it's a shiny tinting, because again, he's a star. It's it's muted and it's duller, but you still get the same effect of what his character type is supposed to be. Um, and those little things are really interesting in the game, because a lot of the bosses have it, where it's just like the way in which they swap the colors around, or um, even just how they're designed... Because, again, they don't also have, like, super sharp lines either, Mm-mm. which is one of the things you always kind of catch in a pixel game as well. Um, you see, like, really, really sharp lines, and this game does not have that. Like, the lines are very thin, but, like, you can see just... I'm trying to articulate the best way I can, but it's where it's... You get the right amount of the black liner. Yeah. Yeah, like I know it, what you're talking about. It's not about. overly pronounced, but it's not so muted that you can't see it. It can be so hard to ex- explain why certain art styles bother you. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, the, the details that they put in, put in all the areas, like the library, oh, it must have taken forever to put all those books in, in that library and make them look random. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, same yeah, with the dorms. Lot. Sorry. No, no, you're right. You're right. And I was thinking the same thing, like just the placement of how items are, even the placement of the cats when you're saving, um, there's a particularness to it. And I really like that. It's almost a little, I hesitate to say it's a little OCD and I dig it where it just, everything (laughs) feels meticulously put. I also realized I did not say my character's name right. It's Ima. Ima. I called her Irma and that's because I have been watching too much Canada's Drag Race. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's okay. No, um, but by the way, it should come as no surprise that the cats as save points is my favorite part about this game. Hands down, it's what got me to play it. Somebody on Twitter said, hey, have you played Iconfell? You save on cats. Like, what? Oh, God, yes. Please give it to me. and you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> it restores your health, which is real. Yes, <laughs> they, they do restore your health. Mine's in my lap right now. I also like because every cat had something like a little quirky, too, like... This cat's making a grumpy face, but you can't tell because you're saving. <laughs> or this one does not seem to care that you're here. And I feel like that is definitely a callback to uh, at least Mother 3 because the save points in that were frogs. And every frog in the game was different. I love that. <laughs> RPGs need to do this more. So, though I will admit there were some areas, particularly some of the darker areas, where I didn't know there was a cat because it was kind of hard to see but yeah. th then they'd had it so that there was a special safe cat song that I didn't hear because I was playing on my switch so I, of course I had the sound out it's like no my cat song but, but the real question is did you find the all cat I did and got my ass whooped and then I beat it <laughs> I, I think I got that far. <laughs> I oh, it, it's kind of a long side quest, Josh, because I think you have to get all find all of the shiny rocks and then get the key to the door and to the four cat the doors. Yeah, oh, and Lord. finding all the rocks is a bitch. Yeah, you you've got to you've either got to explore everything or get a guide. But I, I appreciate the exploration of this game, too, and the fact that they tuck things away in corners or spots that you wouldn't think would um, be accessible, but then you push against them and it's like, oh, there's a secret area. Yeah, I like the way the game did that. Um, and there was a lot of them where just you'd see like a weird piece in the design of the level, and then you'd be like, okay, something clearly moves here or changes here or there's a puzzle here. Um, one of my favorites was the benches. So when you're going to, I, I want to say it's uh, the tower to meet uh, Ima. And like, you have to kind of go around the garden. And I think it's like something about how you had to kind of go to certain points to get information. And each mm -hmm. bit of the information was a story, like just somebody's story. And that was the only way that you could get the item you needed to open the door. So, like, I thought that one was really interesting. And there's a couple like that where it's, like, there's, like, moving floors or floors that have these weird gashes in them. And uh, and I love the way in which the game has environmental storytelling. Like, I am someone who loves environmental storytelling. It's, it's why, as much as, like, I hate the stories in Fallout games, I love the environmental storytelling because I look at it and I go, I want to know why this area is destroyed the way it was. I want to know what is going on. Like when you see the holes in the floor and you see like just some of the shapes of them, it does make you wonder. It's like, well, why is it this way? Or when you're going to fight a uh, star boss to get to Ima, like there's all this paint on the ground, but you don't fully know why there's paint on the ground. And you don't know who's the painter. Or or the other bit where th there was what looked like blood on the floor, but yeah. then it was, it wasn't blood, but I don't remember what it actually was. Or, you know, I think that was for the agony boss. That's also the one, if I'm not mistaken, where like the area has this weird, like, it's a weird red tint to it. Mm-hmm. 
And like, you know, like, this is like one of the more uncomfortable parts of the game where it's like, you get to the boss that is called Agony, and Agony just, just rips Mariet an asshole, essentially, and brings her down and makes her feel like shit for pursuing Safina. And he, like, Agony's like, why are you doing this? Your sister's a bad person. You're not even a real person. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know, but... But yeah. Did, did you have the content warnings on too? Um, yes. Okay. I think I did put them on. Because I, I mean, I, I appreciated that they warned you a lot about, about that stuff like excessive gore, um, themes of self-harm, suicide, that kind of stuff. Just I, a lot of that stuff doesn't trigger me too bad, my PTSD, but it was still nice knowing that it was coming up so that I could kind of emotionally brace myself. Yes. And once um, again, all games need this. Exactly. I mean, the fact that they're not in a Call of Duty game, like, I understand, like, you know, what you're getting into playing Call of Duty, but I don't know. I feel like if if I was a vet with PTSD and I'm playing Call of Duty, uh, I'd want to know. <laughs> Lately, I haven't been playing a lot of heavy stuff, but then I think about a, a Shin Megami Tensei game, and it's like, yeah, so, uh, being able to brace myself would be nice in one of those. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think oh, especially the older SMT games definitely need. It. Yeah, yeah. No- Nocturne especially. Um, they they also did a good job of making backtracking easily with the warp trees. Yep. Which I I'm so used to trees in games that I I had missed a couple and had to go back like oh that's a that's a warp tree I need to put that on my list because there's a very obvious gap in my list and I need to fill that out. Yeah. Um so, so we pretty much went over we went over the story, we went over the gameplay. There's the music. Um, the game has lovely music. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. Um I wrote down a couple of tracks to t- talk about later when we get to the round table. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about that like the ending is super sweet. Oh yeah, the ending made me cry. It's it's I I like it because oh my god all the queer people get to have a happy ending and we don't get the usual crap of queer people are always sad so they deserve a sad ending or all the queer people always die so here's yeah a dead queer person you know ending and you're like fuck you stop you that be, you'll be happy to know that there is no bury your gays in this game and i appreciate that so much because i hate that trope so much hate that trope so um, much. if you uh finish the game with the ring that you win from the all cat you also get a, a little bonus scene where cats show up at the ending to purr when uh, Purdy and Marionetta are cuddling, which, which I thought was cute. Um, but yeah, I, I like the I like the idea of the end of the game being that basically the headmaster didn't want the season to change, and everybody was like, "No, you need to let the season change. We can't we can't keep this up forever. It's going to destroy everything." Yeah. And, and and I don't know about you, but I love snow stuff. So, seeing how snowy everything was at the end was just kind of made me comfy. I can agree with that. Yeah. Like, I, it's sweet. It, like, the ending is just the most tender thing ever. I'm just like, I'm having so many feelings in this winter wonderland, but also I love it so much. Yeah, uh, it's, it said what everybody did at the end and then had a little epilogue. Um, yeah. 
it was a very sweet ending. <laughs> Even being kind of intentionally vague so that you can enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> this is just one of those games where it's, you know what, get it on sale. It's, yeah. even if you're like me and the battle system like did not gel with you, it is a game worth getting to the end to because the story and the characters are built so well um, that you need to know. It, it, it's only $20, which is yeah. pretty cheap for an indie game. It goes on sale all the time. Um, I, 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 we've been good about wishing sales into existence lately. Uh, except for the one game that I've been waiting for to go to go on sale, but you really can't afford not to miss out on this game. Um, it's only about like what ten hours, give or take. I think for me, I I took a little bit longer. Like I want to say I was more around fifteen. Uh, yeah, it it is not a long game. You'll I mean you'll probably breeze through it in about a week, depending on your play times. But it's it'll be a good week, and you'll just you'll walk away with it feeling all warm and fuzzy. Lots of uh, smiling. Lots, lots of smiling. Lots of smiling. I, I, what did you say, Sam? That you appreciate feel good games. I like me a good cozy wholesome. Cozy wholesome. <laughs> Brew agrees. <laughs> I I need to pick up chicory so that I can feel some of that cozy wholesome the next oh, time it goes. That's one thing I'm kind of loving about the indie scene just right now is we are getting a lot of really wonderful, cozy, wholesome titles where like just everybody gets to feel kind of good. And even when there are darker elements to the game, like depression and self-harm and stuff like that, there is still this hopefulness in the games that just they make you want to persevere because you want to support the characters that are going through the, the problem. Oh, yeah. Um, we we didn't even get into this when uh, I was feeling Purdy's fear when she was going through that realm because she was scared of the monster. Yeah. And then when you find out later that, no, she got attacked by that monster and she was disfigured and has an illusion on it, uh, died it. And at yeah. the end of the game, she kind of finally accepts it and doesn't do the illusion anymore. So she has a, a scar on her face. And her coming to terms with that was just... So, made me feel so encouraging. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, that that is actually one of the best scenes in the game, mm-hmm. where she she gets angry enough to be like, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not hiding this anymore, and I'm no longer hiding who I am." Um, and her anger is just it's raw. Like I'd argue, she gets some of the more really vulnerable moments in the game, mm-hmm. um, and. They're, they're also easily some of the best. For and, her. and it's great because I thought I wasn't going to like her at first because she kind of comes off at it as a bitch at first. And well, then, she's an ice queen. I mean, hilariously, yeah. you know, her power is also ice. But she's the ice queen. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I had the same problem where I was just like, she's such a bitch. And then the game, again, gives you the bits and pieces. You're like, oh my god, the trauma. I just want to hold her. The the trauma, the fact that, no, it was your sister that was being the bully, and she hates your sister because she was defending against her being a bully. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I I had you pegged completely wrong. Now you're my hero for standing up against bullies. Yep. And Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to point out something fun for you. For both of you, if you've ever paid attention to the uh, the Mac Award, 
the majority of the games that have won the Mac Award all fit the title of, like, wholesome and cozy. Mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with Virgo Versus, but I looked it up just to be like, so let's see what games have... Oh, God, they're all... <laughs> Virgo Versus. Yeah. It's the only Virgo one I'm not familiar. Yeah, Virgo Versus the Zodiac. But it looks wholesome. Like, that's the problem. It has the wholesome art style. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah. So we do an award uh, every year with our Game of the Year since Michael Cunningham died uh, back in 2018. And usually we pick an indie title that we think Mac would have appreciated on some level, whether it's by design, the message. Um, And so Ekenfell was one of our winners. It won 2020. Um, and rightfully so. It was one of those games where everybody on the site who played it understood that it had a very important message that needed to be spread across, you know, the internet, which is care about each other. Let people live their truth. Their truth isn't your fucking business. Yeah, we needed that in 2020. We did with the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think Ekenfell in a lot of ways is a very special game because of when it came out and what it was asking people to pay attention to, you know, which is don't be a dickhead. You'd think that wouldn't be hard for some people, but it's Uh it's very hard for some people. (laughs) Okay. Well, I I think we've said all we need need to say unless anybody has anything else. Um, I I had stuff, but then I realized I could work it into the round table. No, I I think we're golden. Okie dokie. Um, well, we are going to take a brief musical interlude with, with some of the nice music from the game, and then we're going to come back and... I mean, we already got into our personal feelings, but now we can get into our really personal feelings, our, our favorites and stuff like that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where now we are getting into the Ekenfell Roundtable. Um, all, all of our favorite bits from the game, even if we've said some of it already, but we can elaborate or say our second favorite thing. That, that That's the ticket. Um, so, uh, obviously, the, the first question, did you guys have a favorite moment from the game? Yeah, I, I kind of already mentioned mine, all the, all the flashbacks with Safina. Like, those were great. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's showing. I mean, showing flashbacks is a good way to kind of do the show don't tell. And with a magic school, it's easy to work them in. <laughs> True enough. Yes. Um, my you, Sam? my favorite was the door <laughs> when the when the door to the library was locked and the door was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rook, you need your bookie. Rook, fuck you, door. <laughs> I was so mad at that door, but I love that bit. Like, I love just the sass and the sarcasm, and I love Rook, so, <laughs> you know, I was rooting rooting for Rook the whole time. 
did you do the, the door scavenger hunt? Yes. Okay. Because I forgot to mention that when they, uh, when I was talking about how distinct the backgrounds look, the fact that you could do a scavenger hunt and actually not need a guide for it. It's like, oh, wait, that was that. Okay, I remember where that is. Um, that's, that's a mark of a good game to me. Yep. Um, a, as for me, do you guys even need, need to guess what my favorite part was? <laughs> is it petting cats? It, it, it was meeting the all cat. Um getting into the cat door in the room with bunches of cats and having the boss fight with the cat, which I thought was going to trigger me, but no, it was magic cat. So it's not like I was hurting them. And the first part of the fight, the the all cats just kind of sitting there and you beat his ass and he's really not doing anything. It's like, okay, well this is easy. And then he does the second phase where it's a giant cat head and he's killing you with, uh, kitten stampede and it's like oh god this is the cutest attack ever and it's murdering my entire party um yep. i barely survived that fight oh yeah i know that one was pretty mean but, but but then you get a ring that uh lets all the cats acknowledge you and that that's just amazing and yeah cats. and now we know why you did it right yep <laughs> Yeah, and, and even what <laughs> what kills me is that even the cats in that room they're just sitting there and they still revive you and save your game. So, <sighs> I I love cats. That that's been established. Um, you, what were you guys' favorite characters? I liked all of them, but I'm just gonna I will go with Brooke because um, at the end of the day, he he he's my boy. My book nerdy wants to be doing his own thing, boy, and I love him. Even though, you know, and he he made me feel really good about being a non-binary person. <laughs> like, I just, I love the way just, he, I'm non-binary. It's like, oh, BB, and they're like, oh, okay. But just like the little bit of sharpness in that dialogue where it's like, I'm non-binary. It's like, yes, you are, sweetie. <laughs> yes, you are. So I'm going to go with Brooke. My other favorite character is the door. <laughs> and the star. Stupid star boss. I just, I love that boss. It was so crazy. He was so derpy looking, but so cute at the same time. I want to eat your face. Please don't eat my face. <laughs> I, I definitely love, I, I thought the whole cast was great, but I definitely really liked Petronella because I could definitely uh, relate to their confidence issues. Yeah, that's who I picked too because I too could definitely relate. But um, they also get a very kick-ass moment at the end um, where you know somebody's hurt and they're t- determined to bring him back. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I've had that moment where even though I have confidence issues, it's been like, okay, put up or shut up time. I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. And also, Nella is a cinnamon, perfect cinnamon role, and I would mur- murder anybody that messed with them. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Um, and then you, you guys didn't write down any favorite songs. Um, you, no, I don't, the, I don't have any particulars. Like, I, I think yours are, are good selections, though. Me yeah, too. I I did go pick after the fact. Um, I I have a hard time remembering music in uh, games, especially Switch games, when I have the sound down a lot. But just going back to the soundtrack, that uh, was theme was awesome. Gilda's theme was awesome, which has uh, which has lyrics. Um, that that kind of surprised me. 
and the Save Cat song is is very tranquil but very relaxing. And it, uh, by the way, did you guys? What were you guys doing in your life when you was playing this way back in what 2020? <laughs> uh, Seems like it's been forever ago. We were in a pandemic. I was sad, and I was the reviewer. <laughs> Um, and then this game made me sad because I just cried a lot playing it because it's just wonderful. It, it made me feel good in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I was going back through my notes trying to figure out like why I didn't get around to finishing this thing. And then I finally discovered, like, oh, for some reason I was an idiot and I picked this up in the middle while I was trudging through Cold Steel 4. I was, prob- I was probably like probably 70 or 80 hours into that game and like, I need something different. Let me play Inkifel. And then, you know, of course, eventually got sidetracked by Cold Steel 4 and then didn't make it back to finishing it. I feel bad now. <laughs> and to, to be perfectly honest, I on a, I cannot remember what I was doing when I played this game. I know that I played it at launch. I know that I was playing it in between releases. But as, as far as trying to remember like exactly what I was doing, that that whole 2020 was just a bore to me. I, I remember Final Fantasy VII Remake and 13 Sentinels, and that's about it. Because <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I work from home anyway, so the pandemic was kind of business as usual. But then my husband and I couldn't really go do the things that we like doing, like um, going to the movies or going on road trips or whatever. So, yeah, days bored into months, and pretty much all I did was game so there you go uh I mean I will say like 2020 was the year we were all trapped in our homes hardcore and I beat way more games than I think I ever did in any year I think like I remember the total was like 53 or something for me and I was like that seems like a lot yeah I think next year I need to actually start a spreadsheet Um, I say I'm going to do it every year, and then I'm like, now nah, I'll remember, and then I never do. So that's on me. P- plus, as I've noticed as I'm getting older, I don't remember stuff as well. But yeah, that that was uh, Ekenfell in a nutshell. Um, go go out, play it, enjoy it, or if you've already played it, um, I don't know, keep an eye on that developer. I wonder if they're working on anything at the moment. I hope so. I, I hope so too. I mean, for a first game, I mean, yeah, first game is a pretty awesome game. It uh, really is, d- despite some of its flaws. But yeah, I, I can look past the game with flaws. Well, that's it. As much as I, I recognize I was hard on the battle system in this game, again, I still kept playing because I was still compelled. Well, it looks like on the docket next we have Skies of Arcadia, um, something Ooh. I pl- played way back in the day and then very recently for jrpg july and i've finished it like right on at midnight on um august 30th perfect timing yeah so that that's gonna be an interesting one because i i complained during the valkyria chronicles it's like why did they tease me with vice and uh ica and haven't made a game in the series in 20 years <laughs> Well, that's a. It'll be an interesting one because that's a beloved game, but it's it's kind of just locked back on the GameCube and Dreamcast, and oh. I imagine there there are some anachronisms that come with being twenty years old that don't age well. Oh, I I could get into it, but I don't want to burn material for the show. <laughs> that's next show. Next show. Oh, well, I have to keep a tally and write it down. But um, thank you, Josh, for for sticking for hanging on, even though you didn't 
finish it. I'm I'm still glad you came on because you always have good insights. Sure thing. And, and of course, thank you, Sam, for being on. You're always lovely. Well, thank you. You're and, always and, lovely too. And, and thank you, Matt. Of course, you're all you're almost always here unless you're doing a cross country road trip. <laughs> if I'm at home, I'm here. And yeah, um, don't, don't forget to keep an eye on your RSS feed. Keep an eye on your podcatcher because we are going to be switching feeds um, within the distant future. Probably bef- we're going to try and get it done before next show. Um, I'm going to have to talk with Chris about it on Friday. I need to remind myself. Um, but, but yeah, we're not going to leave you guys in the lurch. So um, stick around. We, we will continue the show as always just on a brand new feed and thank you dear listener for listening hope you have a wonderful rest of your day we'll talk to you soon Gender's?